Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. So I am um, going to tell a story, and I've told this story, um, I don't know. I mean, Steve was one of my students in youth group, so he's probably heard this story a couple 13, 14 times. But it's too good to not tell my moms right now. She's like, he's going to tell a story about us, Denny. Uh, uh, we're, in, we're in a series called um, Flourishing Lives, where if you want life-giving results, um, you have to make life-giving decisions. And today, I... We make good life decisions by hearing about clowns. Um, I was a kid, and my brother and I are about three years apart, but um, he's October 20th, I'm October 21st. And the benefit of having a brother um, that close in age, but like the day is that close, is zero. There is no benefit because you have to share everything for your birthday. I'd get a windsuit, funny, Dan'll got a windsuit. I got like a BB gun, Dan'll got a BB gun. Um, and so, <laughs> um, but like we had, we always like had a bigger birthday party and we had a clown birthday party. You remember that clown birthday party? Uh, the Curtilas came with like their like little red hair and um, I think the Cockett boys were there and my buddy Jordan Reesecraft wasn't there. And I was like, look around, I'm like, where's, and if Jordan, you're watching, I've told the story so many times. You're famous for this as like a seven-year-old, but, uh, um, <laughs> I apologize, but, um, we're looking for Jordan, and we hear some pull up the driveway, and um, I don't have a lot of memories. I have, um, I can't remember, I had um, head injuries, what do you call that? Um, concussions, yeah, I can't, you can tell that I can't remember things. Um, and, but I, this is one of my memories as a kid I remember distinctly, and I looked out her window, and you could look down, and I saw Jordan's mom get out, and um, she got out, and you couldn't hear, but you could, she's like doing like this, and wait for a little bit, and then she did it a little more aggressively, and all of a sudden she grabbed them and pulled them out. And instantly, I knew why he didn't want to get out, because he was dressed as a chicken to a clown party, right? <laughs> every time, I could still, like, just feel this, like, as a kid, like, laughing, but also this, like, like this, um, not, not shame, but like, oh, man, I feel sorry for him. His mom made him dress like a chicken to a clown party. And it's still funny. And we all know, right, because you don't want to get made fun of, but really you don't want to be excluded. No one likes to be excluded. And we will do, we will rationalize things of what we believe or what we think or what we want or we want to go just so we can feel included because feeling included is one of the best feelings in the world. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at Duluth Coffee Company, and um, uh, what am I? T- oh, and we are talking to this random stranger, this guy. I don't know how we got on the subject. But he's like, yeah, I'm reading this book by Stephen King. And I said, the Dark Tower series. Any, anyone here Dark Tower series kind of person? Yeah? Oh, man. And I instantly, like, our eyes got big. I'm like, you know, rolling of the line of the Eld. And what about the, um, the prim and the beams? And we just totally geeked out. Not knowing anything about each other, we had, like, this... Um, this really, I don't know if I want to say intimate, but like we had this like connection with each other where we, based on that book, we were both radically included. And I thought about why did it feel so good? 
because I got to be my real self. I got to be a geek about a book that I really, really, really like. And there's something empowering about being your full self. And you don't always have those spaces of where you feel like, I will be accepted, um, I, will be, um, I will be included if I am truly, truly honest. And when you're in those spaces, even if it's like for like pockets of time, it's even minutes, you walk away feeling loved. You walk away feeling important. You f- walk away feeling like you have um, some value that you bring into this world. And then you go back, right back to like, uh, hey, Nikki, you want to talk about the, the bear and the beams? And she's like, I would love to talk about the bear and the beams. <laughs> right? Because um, being included is incredib- incredibly important. I'd say it's part of having a flourishing life is that we can be inclusive people. And like, just to be um, open and honest, um, in the context of church, when you say inclusion, that um, usually people are saying, oh, you're talking about the LGBTQ community. It's true. But inclusion in life is something so much bigger than just the, the queer community. It's incredibly important, but there's so many other intersections of what it means to be inclusive. And it's actually really easy to be exclusive. We all like the idea of being inclusive, but we walk through life with biases that we just are unaware of that can exclude other people based on um, what you think politically, based on the size of your body, right? Based on how much money you make, based on your education, based on your family system, based on your theology, your spirituality. And we can move through life and do real damage to people with not even knowing it. Because we'll walk in a room and we'll judge people up and say, well, I'm better than them. <laughs> thought about this. Like, if you're from a small town, um, have you ever heard, like, well, at least it's not, like, from, and you name, like, the other small town that's down the road because it makes you feel better. Like, oh, yeah. And then that, that small town, I'm like, wonder, where does it end? Like, that small town goes to, like, oh, at least we're not, like, that small town. And I think it ends, like, with, like, Holyoke, right? And so with, like, Twin Lake Township. Like, people are like, well, I didn't know I lived there. I didn't know that was even a thing. And then they're like, we don't care. Um, but we can, we can punch people down to make ourselves feel like we're going up. Even though we might be at like some plateau, we feel like we're still ascending by harming or um, pushing other people down to make us stronger, more important. And um, one, one of the, I was reflecting on this and one thing popped to mind that I um, get to tell publicly. That's awesome, it's wonderful, right? Um, when I was younger, I worked in a church that was um, exploding. It was growing rapidly. And I'm a three on the Enneagram, if you're aware of Enneagram, which means I love to succeed and I love to win. And in unhealthy Chris, shadow side Chris, I can win at all costs. And I don't like that about myself, and I am actively trying to move beyond that. But in that job, when it was blowing up, I was being rewarded, right? And to be rewarded and feel like you're winning feels so good. I feel like I was really included in this, this group. But part of that was I would look at other churches and be like, Um, Because someone's like, do you know, have you met with this pastor or that pastor? I'm like, why? Why would I want to meet with them? They should be calling me up, right? Literal words that I said. Um, Yeah, real great. And um, I walked around just feeling like at the age 28, I was God's given gift to the kingdom of God. And I would drive by this one church in Duluth uh, when I lived in Chester Park, and it was Peace Church. If you guys know Peace Church, wonderful church. And um, it's a United Church of Christ which the, that denomination is the seminary that I go to. Um, I just want to throw that out there. You know, I go to seminary, no big deal. So um, what am I talking about instead of humble breaks? Um, oh, Peace Church. And I would drive by, and they have the rainbow flag. And I'd be like, who do they think they are? Have they not ever read the Bible? I can't believe it. And I, again, 
never went to the website, never talked to anyone from the church, never met with the pastor, but because they had a rainbow flag, I instantly moved them to this level of church. And I, you know, I was, you know, like polite about it. At least I can't believe they do that, but you know, all for the kingdom of God. And so I would punch down on another church to make me feel as a leader, as a pastor, or even our, our spiritual system to feel more important or feel better. And until as our church, we um, had some discoveries um, theologically, and we made a pivot. And during that pivot, um, I had one of my friends, Melissa Hendricks, and she goes, hey, have you ever met with Pastor Kate from um, Peace Church? And as soon as she said that instantly, I remember saying those things. I remember thinking those things. I remember slapping my own back. And I'm like, oh, funny. Now we're the church with that little rainbow flag somewhere. And she goes, you should really meet with her. So I, um, after several promptings, <laughs> I, I finally met with uh, Pastor Kate. Does anyone know Pastor Kate by chance? You ever met? It's Kathleen. I thought it was, I, oh, I thought it was Pastor Kate. Okay, anyways. Um, she is um, one of the most genuine, lovable people I ever met. Like, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. I walked in. I instantly just felt like she embodied the Christ. And we sat down, and I told a little bit of my story, and then I, I confessed to her. I had repented to her. I'm like, I used to drive by this every day to work, and I'd have these feelings. I'm so sorry that I judged you. I'm so sorry that I excluded you. And she, of course, is just like, you know, very kind, very sweet. So if you ever meet her, I am still trying to be best friends with her. It's, it's not going so well. Um, she retired like three months after we met. Um, but if you get the chance, just say, you know, your best friend, Chris, just kind of like slide it in, right? Just slide it in. Your best friend, Chris, I heard him. Um, but I never intended on excluding her. I never intended on, um, you know, unconsciously, like, trying to punch other churches down. It was just, like, something I caught. No one taught me to do this. We can exclude very, very easily without even knowing it, and it can lead to real damage. So what does inclusion look like? Because inclusion is a lot more than a, a rainbow sticker. It's a lot more than twice a year putting Black Lives Matter on your Facebook post. Inclusion is a lot more than just using people's um, pronouns correctly, which you should. But it's, some, it's, it's so much more than that. And luckily for us, um, in the Bible, it talks a lot about inclusion. And I would say it's the nature of God to include. Anytime you give love, anytime that you include, you're moving in the way of Christ. And anytime we do that, right, that's where heaven lives. And here at Neighborhood, contrary to some people's beliefs, we take the Bible very seriously. <laughs> like, very, very, very seriously. We don't always take it literally. We don't take every story literally, but we take everything seriously. And the, the Bible should move us to a place of wisdom. It should move us to a place of love and a place of inclusion. And um, all throughout the story of God, like we have in Genesis um, 12, 11 or 12, where it's Abraham and God, and they're making this covenant, and God says, you know, through you and your family, we're going to be a light to all nations, right? That light means there's this new way of being human. There's this new way of moving in this earth, and the whole world's going to see it, and we're going to include them in it, which is radically different how other tribes did. They operated, we will conquer you. We will beat you. We will take everything. This God is saying, we're going to actually include you. Then we have this guy named Jesus who's radically inclusive. He got labeled a drunkard. Why? I doubt Jesus was crushing a couple 13, 14 Coors Lights, right? But why did he get that um, label? Because he was willing to be at the table with people that the religious institutions said they don't, they don't matter. They don't count. They're excluded. Jesus is a feminist. He, uh, before there was a Billy Graham rule, right, Jesus would be alone with women, which at the time is like um, drastically controversial, 
But Jesus was all about including. Whoever's in front of him, he's going to include, he's going to empower, he's going to liberate. He does this by being around kids. He does this around being people who um, are economically didn't have a lot for the religious system or the people in power. They didn't really benefit a lot, so they got excluded. Jesus was with the people who were unclean, who were sick, who um, had um, diseases. Jesus was willing to be around people. Richard Ware says that um, what we are to do is transcend and include, and that's what Jesus did always transcending and including. And then you get to the story of Acts in the New Testament, and it's a whole story of this, like, of the, the way of Christ and the kingdom of God and how it moves and it blows up. So I'm going to be reading out of Acts chapter 10. I'm going to paraphrase the, the first part um, for sake of time because it's a longer story, but I'm going to read the, the very end. And so in Acts uh, chapter 10, there is this guy named Cornelius, and he is a Gentile. If, like, if you were not a Jew, then you were a Gentile. It was like, like there's this group of people, and then there's everyone else. Um, and he was a man of, that was probably fairly wealthy, and it tells a story of how the angel comes, talks to him, which already, if he's not in this religious system, this God in that religious system now is speaking to someone else, right? So that's like the first thing to be aware of. And the angel says, Cornelius, because um, you were found with great favor and you've given alms, I'll get to that in a little bit, um, we want, we, God wants you to send messengers to go find this stranger. His name's Peter, right? And so, of course, Cornelius um, is faithful and says to his servants, go find this guy, Peter, in this town. It's far off. Then the story switches uh, to Peter, and Peter is essentially hanging out, waiting to eat, and he's tired, and he falls into a trance or a vision or a dream. And here God um, brings down this sheet, and on this sheet there's all these animals... <laughs> All these animals, um, and God says to Peter, he says, hey, Peter, I'm big fan of these animals. I want you to go down, and I want you to kill them, and I want you to eat them. And Peter, in Peter fashion, this is how I hear Peter. Peter's like, oh, God, I will never do that because I'm a Christian soldier on for you. And then he break out into the song Oceans for like five, you know, verses, and he like goes over the top trying to uh, communicate to God, I'm faithful, right? I'm faithful, and God says, um, in this vision, do not call what I've called clean, unclean. Don't label something I said is clean as unclean. God does this three times because it's Peter and does everything in threes. And it doesn't resolve. It doesn't resolve. It just ends. He wakes up and there is these servants from Cornelius and Peter says, um, maybe this could be God. And he follows with them, travels to Cornelius' house. And in Cornelius' house, um, he has his uh, friends, his family, his servants. And Peter has like his um, entourage with him as well. And Peter begins to go into this um, sermon. It's really what it is. He gets up and he talks about who God is and how faithful God is and the talks about um, what it means to follow the person of Jesus and how the, the death and the life and the resurrection can bring life. He does this whole sermon. As he is giving this message, this is where we pick up. This is Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be, that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So if you were just casually reading this, you'd be like, hey, that's pretty cool. This is like a, a, a huge pivot point in the life of, I would say the world, right? But especially the church. And there's, there's 
radical tension happening in this, in this story. The, the first is um, where this town was located, right? It's on a port city. So you have these... Um, you have these Jewish people, and they have their system, they have their tradition, they have their religion, they have their history, right? And, but they're being colonized, they're being um, conquered by Rome, so you have that tension. Then you are on this port city, so you have all these different spiritualities coming, all these different foods, all these different ways of life, all these different people coming from all different places. And so they're trying to have this established culture why all this is happening around them. And there's history, Right? Like with the Jewish people, they got exiled. They got their temple broken down. Not by these people, but still Gentiles. So there's like already this, this deep-seated history. <laughs> then they had reputations. N.T. Wright shared about this. Um, that they had this idea of the Gentiles thought that the Jewish people were lazy because they took one whole day off and they wouldn't farm, they wouldn't do anything. Um, they wouldn't show up to festivals. They wouldn't show up to gatherings. They wouldn't show up to, like, where community would be happening. They, they accused them of stealing their idols because um, in this um, part of the world, you would worship multiple gods. You would, you'd, multiple ways of spirituality was not a threat. It was actually celebrated. Like, why wouldn't you? If you need, you know, rain, why wouldn't you pray to this idol? Um, and so they accused the Jewish people coming and stealing their idols, which, of course, is not good. <laughs> then there's writings of the Jewish people saying, well, the Gentiles and the way they use their body for pleasure with anyone, whenever they want, the way they drink, the way they party, um, the way that they um, sacrifice other people, right? It's, it's, it's funny of when you have someone from a different experience than yourself, it's not too hard to go to the worst possible fear and make that true about that people group. Right? Like, even now, people are saying, you know, those, those people want to come in, steal our jobs. They, they want, we want to take our money. They want to take, right? You can take any people group, and you've probably heard people say horrible things, and they say it's true. Then you meet someone, right? And, like, I remember in college and, and talking with um, a Muslim, and, and I'm like, oh, I was taught in my youth group, blah, 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 blah. And they laughed, and they're like, yeah, that, none of that's true. And I'm like, oh, so you're like healthy and normal and flourishing and a really great person and you really like loving, it's like that my bias got uh, exposed. So there's that tension. Then you have the tension of Cornelius um, is this um, rich person, and it's not hard to imagine that he would also dabble in a lot of spirituality. And he somehow stumbles across um, or hears and begins practicing some of Judaism. Because it says when, uh, when the angel spoke to him, because you've given alms, which is a huge part of the Jewish tradition, is to be generous and take care of the poor. So he already has these signs of, like, experimenting and maybe finding some benefit or some pleasure in it, and then God shows up. But the, w- the reason that the Holy Spirit fell on him isn't because he gave alms. It wasn't because he was dabbled. Put a pin on that. Then you have the tension of Peter, and this is the most obvious. When that vision comes down and God says, go and eat— Peter literally could have taken out their sacred scripture and pointed to like 15 verses and say, actually, God, what the Bible really says, what the Torah really says is this. And for thousands of years, we have done this. And my grandma would make sure that we didn't eat that food, right? And why? It wasn't like, oh, because it makes, if you eat pork, it makes your tummy feel bad, right? To, to be clean is incredibly important because it gives you access to people. It gives you access to a temple, to be unclean means that you are excluded. You have to go through a whole series of events in order to get back to being clean. So you lived your life religiously, right, in order to stay in that system because it's how you found access. It's how you found success. It's how you found pleasure. It's how you found belonging. It's how you found inclusion. 
And so you, it, when God says, eat this, Peter is like, I would, there's no way I'm going to do this. And they don't resolve it. And all of a sudden, he shows up at this house. He's probably thinking of this dream. And there's a whole theological debate on this story of the vision and then what happens next. If you want to have like a dark tower geek out moment, we can talk about that. Um, sorry, I do this as my geek out. <laughs> Just like, mm. um, what am I talking about? Oh, Peter. So Peter's walking, about to walk in this house. You can imagine what he's thinking, right? If I walk in this house, if I sit at this table, if I engage this group of people, this is now going to move me into a different category. And it's not hard to think of Peter looking at Cornelius and his friends and saying, oh, this is really cute. I'm really happy for you. God told me to come here, right, to convert you. And conversion is a whole series of events, right? And, um, and if I don't, does this make me unclean? Does this make me on, on the outside? Am I going to be excluded? So he begins talking about Jesus. And I imagine he's not thinking too much of, like, what's going to happen, right? He's like, I'll be faithful. I'll do it. As he's talking, he's not even done. All of a sudden, the power of God, the, 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 the flow of the kingdom of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, um, which the Holy Spirit is like the um, felt, tangible presence of God is what it is. And they begin to speak in tongues, which they means they speak languages they didn't know, um, and they begin to praise God. Like, so I don't know what that means. Maybe they're singing oceans. I don't know. Maybe they're, like, jumping up and down. Maybe they're um, dancing. And it's happening <laughs> as he's talking. Imagine Peter's like, what's going on? And he says, right? The same thing that happened to us in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, this is where um, Jesus said, go there and wait, and they stand up in this room, men and women, and all of a sudden there's this um, blowing wind, and there's fire on top of their heads, and they begin to speak in foreign languages. And they go out, and they're speaking the language of all the people at this festival that brings, imagine this, liberation, freedom, transformation for people who never thought they could hear this kind of God, this kind of spirituality in their own tongue. The same thing's happening to these outsiders, same thing's happening, right, like with older Chris in Peace Church that was happening in our church. And what they saw is the fruit. What they saw was God. What they saw was love. And instead of Peter, right, he had several options. He could, again, just said, oh, that's really cool. You have this level of the Holy Spirit, but we have this level of the Holy Spirit. He could have poo-pooed it. He could have said, stop, that's not how it works. You have to answer these 15 questions. You have to take these three classes. You have to say these five prayers. Instead, he can see what God is doing in a surprising place. I bet you could even say that he was pretty certain that God could never do that. Someone with different tradition, different lived experience, all of a sudden the, the, the kingdom of God is happening. Then he says this um, in a different translation. He goes, Dare, um, can anyone protest to them being baptized? Because what do you do when you see the kingdom of God? What do you do when you see love? What do you do when you see heaven playing out in a different space, a different tradition, a different person? You include. And to include for them was to baptize, saying, we are one. We might come from different stories, different places, different ways of thinking, different ways of believing, but we are still one because everyone belongs. Everyone is included. So th- the, the purpose of why I'm bringing this up is there is ways or groups of people or ways of thinking maybe even worshiping or believing that we knowingly or unknowingly just exclude and say, oh, no, 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 that's great. Um, what the Bible really says is this, right? And people have different interpretations of the Bible. That's not fair. Or they could say, oh, no, if you really are saved, then you have to do this. If you really want to experience God, you have to go through these three steps, which is if that helps people move in love, I'm fine for it. But if, if we're not open to seeing the Christ in other people, then we're missing out. Because the times in my life where um, 
I have grown is when I'm willing to include. And to include is, again, not just like, like in your head say, oh, I'm really woke and I'm going to include them. To include um, means that you believe them. You start a place of believing them. Saying, this is how I experience God. This is how I experience love. This is um, how, what I think a, a strong work ethic is, or whatever it is. You start a place of believing them. You start a place of like, hearing them, listening to their story, reading different authors, uh, watching different kinds of movies, um, going to different kinds of events. Like, and it's going to cost you. This is the hardest thing on inclusion. It's going to cost you, no matter what. Because if you really are going to move towards people, believe them, and radically include them, it's going to cost you, it's going to cost your family, it's going to cost your friends, and it's going to cost you several things. It's going to cost you um, time. It's going to cost you a lot of time to sit down and listen to, like, how your family operates versus mine, right? It's going to be, it's going to be different. Instead of saying, well, my family system's actually a lot better than Heather's, I can tell you that, right? To, <laughs> to listen, to watch, is going to take me time going over to their house and sitting down, right? It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you ability to be right. It's going to cost you, like, maybe your privilege. It's going to cost you maybe friends. It might cost you advancing in your career, uh, climbing up whatever that, that ladder is, and when you stand up for people of color. When you say, actually, their pronoun is this. Actually, we don't get to talk to, we don't talk to those people. We don't use those kind of words. Anytime you stand up, it costs you something. And this is where people stop because they love the idea of being generous. They love the idea of being generous with their love. They love the idea of being inclusive until it costs them something. Then they back off. And they're like, oh, that was harder than I thought. I don't want to do that. And that just means I want to keep all the benefits of my system I want to be at the center, taking yourself out of the center and putting in, um, uh, like, like this. Th- there's uh, this company, oh, I can't remember who it was. We listened to a podcast. We talked about reverse mentoring. You guys heard of this before? Reverse mentoring is like um, the uh, CEOs of Virgin Airlines, CEO of um, Virgin Airlines, they realized we all look exactly the same. We have the same kind of move in the same circles, probably have, uh, make similar amounts of money, like different class levels. And so there was this um, young um, black woman from Jamaica who immigrated to uh, London who worked there and said, um, got invited to come up and mentor the CEO so that he could hear, we say this is a value in our company. How does that play out in your job? How does it play out in your everyday life? What, what's it like to move in our company? They're actively trying to learn and put someone else at the center. That still costs you something. So here's my encouragement. Look for love. Look for something that God is doing in unsurprising places. And you can ask, this is helpful, ask this question. I think I said this last week, but I'm going to say it every week because it's important. When you have a political idea, or you have a theological discovery, or you have a theological stance, or you have um, something you, you dream for your family, or you dream for your body, or dream for someone else, ask yourself the question, if I believe this, or if this is true, who does it benefit most? If I take this political concept, and it's really true, who benefits the most? And if it's your name, your circle of friends, your church, your work, always wins, always gets put in that, in that bracket, then you might be missing out. Because I believe the gospel, I believe what the plot of the gospel is to be generous in love and radically, radically include. And if we're, if we're not thinking about how do we help other people succeed, how do we help other people benefit, then there's opportunity to be inclusive. So let's stand up. I'm going to pray. 
and we're going to close with uh, one song. And uh, I guess I should stand. Um, if you'd like to process or talk about anything that I bring up, or you want to geek out on some theological concept, I'd love to talk after the service. Or if you'd like to pray. We don't have our prayer ministry functioning right now, but if you would like the prayer or process or chat, um, Nikki or I, um, and that's Nikki, that's my partner, um, we'd love to do that. Let's, let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. The same spirit that fell on Pentecost, the same spirit that fell at Cornelius' house, um, we ask that you would come now. And God, that your presence would bring life, bring freedom, and liberation. And I thank you for the way that you move in inclusion. That I can call you a thief, I can call you a liar, and you still call me loved. And I ask that you would help us, um, that you would expose the ways, <laughs> expose the ways that we exclude others to make ourselves feel better. The way we talk about our friends, the way we silently judge other people as they drive by, as we think about other circles of people. And that when we realize that, when we see it, instead of excluding that we can repent and we can move in a place of love and we can include. And when you give us the wisdom and the strength to move beyond the idea of inclusion and then doing the next best right thing. And we can believe people, we can hear people, we can love people, we can spend time with people, we can ask questions, we can be challenged, because all of that belongs. So use us, God. We love you. Amen. All that 
that I want, Lord. May I I want to be more like you. Yes, I to be more like you I want to be more 